Well, thanks so much for being with us this weekend. We're especially glad you're joining us. If you don't consider yourself a church person, a religious person, and this is your first time in church in a long time, or first church experience in a long time, or you're relatively new to us, welcome. We're glad you're here, and we have a free gift to thank you for being with us today. Simply text that word, welcome, to 410-216-5534, and we'll send you that gift. If you're joining us in person, you can stop by the welcome desk out in the concourse as you leave today to get that gift. Uh, quick programming note, this Wednesday is March 2nd and is Ash Wednesday. And so to help you get the season off right, we have a whole uh, bunch of opportunities for you to pray. You can check out that more at churchnativity.com slash Lent about our schedule for Ash Wednesday. And one other announcement before getting to the message, well, we've been talking about getting a thousand new people into small groups. And so we're going to update you on that number next week. We'll let you know next weekend. So got to come back next week if you want to know how many people are in groups this Lent. Did you ever have this experience? You're at home and you, you have to fix something and you don't know what you're doing. And I had that all the time because I have no idea what I'm doing when it comes to, to handiwork. But you don't know what you're doing. So you ask somebody else for help and they come over and you hand them the tool and they don't even know how to hold the tool right. Like they, they clearly know less about it than, than you do. Or maybe you've had this experience, you're, you're trying to go somewhere asking for directions. We, we, we stop and ask for directions less with GPS, but you know, maybe you're in an office building and you're trying to find an office and you don't know where you're going and you see someone and you stop and you ask them, hey, can you tell me where, how to get to such and such place? And they say, okay, go down the hall Make a, maybe it's a right, and you're like, forget about it, I'll figure it out on my own. And, or maybe you've had this experience, you have to go to some kind of training program that works making you go to, or you're sent to something, and they get the expert up there, and personally, I don't like that word, expert, it means all of a sudden we're just to believe you because you have that title, but whatever, they get the expert up there, and within 15, 20 minutes, you realize they don't really know what they're talking about. And then later that's confirmed when someone raises their hand who asks a really practical question that is related to what you do for a living and, and your, your daily experience and everyone's shaking their head and the expert doesn't even understand the question. Or students, maybe you've had this experience. Uh, you're doing your homework and you come upon a math problem or some question and you don't know, know how to answer it so you get your parents, one of your parents to come over and they look at it and they're, hmm. And, and they try to start figuring it out and explain it to you. You're like, forget it. I'll just ask the teacher tomorrow. Or uh, here's one last one, a final one uh, that I had, because this is a real pet peeve for me. And so this is just helping me get this out, if, if nothing else. But um, so I, I hate it when I do go to a conference and there is someone who's given me some practical wisdom or experience about how to do my job better. And then they do the Q&A. And in the Q&A, someone gets the microphone, but they don't really have a question. They just start pontificating about how they do it because it's so much different from the other per how the other person does it. And I'm like, you don't even know what you're talking about. You, your, your thing makes no, absolutely no sense. So we have an expression for this. When someone who doesn't know what they're doing tries to give advice or counsel to somebody else who doesn't know what they're doing, what do we, what do we say? We say it's blind leading the blind. I think the smart people over here, they got it over here first. So... Um, the blind leading the blind. And there's a parable out there, maybe you've heard this, I heard this parable in college, that when it comes to understanding God and who God is, that it's kind of like uh, the blind leading the blind, that there's this analogy, this parable of this strange new animal called an elephant was put before four blind men. 
And so they had never experienced it before, so they began to touch the elephant. And the one guy, he touches, the one blind man touches the, the, the side of the elephant. He says, this creature must be like some kind of wall. And not the second blind man, he touches the leg and says, no, 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 this, this animal is like some kind of, of tree. And another one feels the tusk and the sharpness and says, no, it must be some kind of spear. And the fourth one touches uh, the trunk and says, no, it must be like some kind of serpent or snake. And, and the, kind of the, 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 the conclusion of the parable is, look, when it comes to understanding God, we all have a little bit of insight, but we really can't understand God. We're really just the blind leading the blind. And Jesus would affirm this expression. In fact, Jesus invented it. We find it in Luke 6.39. He says this, Can a blind person guide a blind person? Will not both fall into a pit? Jesus says, when it comes to your life and the decisions you make in life and where you're going in life, be careful who you follow because if you find a, follow a blind person, they'll just lead you into a pit. They'll lead you into a place you don't want to go. And this is true for every area of our life, but Jesus would say, especially when it comes to God. Don't follow someone who doesn't know where they are going. Because if you follow the wrong person, then you're liable to misunderstand who God is and God's character and what he wants from you and for you. You see, Christianity takes that parable of the four blind men and the elephant, which it's called, that takes that parable and it asks a question. It asks this question. What if the elephant could talk? What if the elephant could begin to explain himself to those four blind men? And he could begin to explain, look, I'm a very large creature, a very large animal. And the reason why my legs are so thick like a tree's trunk is because I need those thick legs to support my wide frame. And that tusk, that's my tusk you are touching, and it's sharp for self-defense, and it's, my trunk is there to feed and water myself. The elephant could explain himself. You see, Christianity claims, proposes not to be a religion. Religion is how we get to God. It's how we try to figure out God. But Christianity says it is not a religion. It's a revelation. It's a revelation in believing that God has spoken to us. God has revealed himself to us. That first and foremost, God chose a specific group of people to reveal himself to, the Jewish people, beginning with Father Abraham. And then through generations and generations, speaking through the prophets, he continued continue to reveal who he is and his character and what he wants from us and for, for, for us. And then in the fullness of time, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world to be the further complete revelation of who he is. And Jesus came to st and he cleared up so many misconceptions that we have about God. He cleared up the misconception that God is angry at us in the parable of the prodigal son. He cleared up the misconception there was only certain people we had to love, that God wanted us to love in the parable of the Good Samaritan. He clears up the misconception that we have to work and earn our way back to God by dying on the cross for us. Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life. He says he is the light of the world. He will bring us back to God. In, in Luke 6.40, he says this. 
A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully taught, will be like his teacher. Jesus says a disciple or a follower is not above his teacher. And so Jesus invites us to follow him, to let him teach us about who God is. And that as we follow Jesus and learn from him as disciples, we will come to know God better. We will become more like Jesus and we will come to know what God, God's character. We will come to know the heart and the mind and the will of God. Now, when we follow Jesus and begin reading the Bible or the scriptures, we'll eventually encounter this gap. We'll encounter this gap between uh, uh, what, what scripture reveals, who, God, who Jesus reveals God to be, that God is loving and compassionate and kind and merciful and, and slow to anger and cares about justice. And then there's our reality or lived experience where God seems absent there, or God seems to disappoint us. We will encounter this gap between who we think God is, who God is and our lived experience. And here's just one thing we need to keep in mind as 21st century citizens, that God was a loving, caring, compassionate God who intervened in human affairs for their well-being and that cared about morality and justice. That was a new idea. The ancients did not believe that. They believed there were gods. They believed there were many gods, and those gods were just as petty and selfless as human beings are. They could be just as petty and selfless as human beings could be. And, and, and across different, you know, the globe, there was human sacrifice. The gods did not care or love people. They were more powerful, but they didn't care or love people. It was Judaism. It was the Jewish people that introduced a God that both deserved our honor and our worship and our attention because he was so good or so great and so far above us and a God that cared about how we treated one another, about how we treated other human beings. It was Judaism that connected the dots between God and morality. And yet, again, we come to this gap and sometimes in what we think God would do because he is good and loving and what we experience. Now this happens in our human relationships all the time where we think we know somebody or we know a little bit about something, somebody, and then a, something's revealed about their past that totally shakes us up, disorients us. So, you know, you, you think you know somebody and they tell you they grew up on a farm. Like, wait, you grew up on a farm? You're the most city urban person I know. Or you were in the military? I thought you were kind of a pacifist or, you know, whatever. You find out something new about someone or from their past. Or sometimes you find out someone, you thought you could predict someone's behavior that you knew pretty well, and they do the opposite. You know, you, students, again, middle school, high school, college students, you go to your parents, you're asking a favor, and you might even think in the back of their head, your head, there is no way they're going to say yes to this. And then you ask them, they say, sure, I'll do it. And you're like, really? You do that? Or uh, you could go, you know, have an idea at work. You're like, there's no way the boss is going to buy into this or my coworker is going to buy into this. They're going to hate this idea. And you bring it to them anyway because you like it. And they're like, yeah, I love that idea. You're like, all right, I thought I knew you, but I guess I didn't know you as well as I thought I did. We can always be growing and learning about the people in our lives. And if we will lean in during those times, 
to figure out, okay, what did we think we knew about this person that we didn't know, and we can grow and learn to know them better? Well, the same is true in our relationship with God. We have these experiences where we think, again, we would, we would think we can't, there's, a, there's a gap between who we think God is and how we perceive God to be acting in the world. And we're going to be covering a bunch of those. I mean, for example, you know, we hear the angels listen and God hears us pray that God, God wants to answer our prayers. Prayers are powerful and can make a difference. And then we have this gap because we have this experience of unanswered prayers or times where it just seems like God says no. We hear that God is a God that keeps his promises and wants to pour blessings into our lives. And yet we have the experience of storms in life. We have the experience where it seems like God has let us down. We're told that God is all good and all powerful and he's got authority and power. And then we have this experience of corrupt leaders at every level of society. We hear God wants to refresh and renew our souls and then we can have just those daily, the daily grind where we're, our souls are worn down, our souls are worn thin, and we can wonder, where is God in that? Then there's the problem of pain. I mean, th- this seems to be an irrefutable argument, doesn't it? I mean, the argument goes like this. If God is all good and all loving and all powerful, there shouldn't be such immense suffering in the world. But there is suffering in the world, so God must not be all powerful or he must not be all loving, but he can't be both. That's how the argument goes, and it does seem on the surface irrefutable. And beyond just that philosophical argument, there's just times in our life where there seems to be no other reality but pain. And maybe you're here today, or you're watching online, and this has been your experience, that you, were, you grew up in church, or you were a church person, and at a certain point, you stopped going, because you, know, you thought, you know what, I just can't I can't live in that gap. There is this gap and I can't in good conscience keep going to church. I can't keep trying to stay in this relationship with God. And if you're here today, I'm just glad you're here. And I hope through the course of this series, we will begin to fill in that gap. But even if you're a church person, religious person, you've had these questions. And sometimes we lean in and sometimes we just look the other way because they make us a little bit uncomfortable. But through the course of the series, we want to lean in to get to know God better. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to look at some of the stories from Scripture, the testimonies, might be a better word, of men and women who've gone before us and have had experienced that gap. But they leaned in. And as a result, they got to know God better. They came to a better, a greater faith and trust in him. And they grew as human beings. They grew as individuals. And as we said before, the stories or the testimonies in Scripture are not just stories about something that happened two or 3,000 years ago but have nothing to do with our lives. No, we will see that these people went through some of the same struggles that we do. And again, these are just not there to say, okay, there is a relationship God had with some people a long, long time ago, but it's not available to you. No, they are stories to invite us, again, into a deeper intimacy and faith and trust in our relationship with God. Now, let me set some realistic expectations. These issues we're looking at, we're not going to answer them completely for you. I mean, for one reason, we're not that smart, all right? We don't have all the answers to these issues, these questions. 
Second, we just don't have time. I mean, to really go deep into them, it, it would take months to go through each of these issues. But we are going to acknowledge the gap between often who we perceive God to be and what God says about himself and our lived reality. And acknowledging that gap, we hope to build a path. It might just be a dirt path, but it'll be a path between the two. A couple of principles to keep in mind as we go through this series. These are all in the book, but some principles to just to keep in mind. It makes sense that God doesn't make sense. Okay, it makes, just to put it bluntly, God is smarter than you. God is smarter than me. I mean, God sees all times and all generations. He created the heavens and the earth. It just makes sense that God's wisdom is going to be above our wisdom. If, you had, if there was a God who thought exactly as you thought all the time, then that would mean you were God. And the spirituality 101 is this. There is a God and it's not you. All right, so it just makes sense that God doesn't always make sense to us. But sec- that leads to the second point. We can come to know God because he has revealed himself to us. That those times when God does not make sense to us Again, our critical times are incredible opportunities for us to lean in and say, all right, God, I am open to revealing to me who you are, your character, and what you want from me. So while it makes sense that God doesn't always make sense to us, those are critical times, they're opportune times to seek the Lord. And then third, we've kind of covered this, but third, or we've covered that second one. We really haven't covered this third one. Don't confuse life not making sense with God not making sense. Okay, everything that happens on this earth, in this life, is not God's will. So some well-meaning Christians can sometimes see some evil in the world or bad things that happen and say, well, that must be God's will, or I I just entrust it to God's will. There are so many things on this earth that don't happen according to God's will that God does not want. The Our Father, Jesus teaches us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, we're to pray for God's will to be done on earth because it's not always done. God's will is always done in heaven. That's why it's heaven. But God's will is not always done on this earth. So just be very careful when just someone slaps that label, hey, it just might be God's will. No. Don't confuse life not making sense with God not making sense. There's more in the book on all three of these. So again, just briefly going over them, check out the book for more. Uh, Which leads me to how to get the most out of this series. Number one, join us each weekend, online or in person. As we tackle these issues of life not making sense, we're gonna be talking about it each week in the weekend message. So join us either here on Ridgely Road or online. Two, join a small group. It's the last time we're going to bug you about this, I promise, okay? So if you, if, if you, but there's still a chance to get in a group. They begin meeting tomorrow. Join a small group. Text the word group to 410-216-5534. All right, that's enough about groups. We've told you enough. If you haven't, uh, if you haven't gotten it now, you're not going to do it. Number three, read the book, Seriously God. Uh, so if you get in a group, we will give you a free copy. Otherwise, go buy it on Amazon. You're on your own if you're that, that stubborn. Um, so read a copy of Seriously God. Um, uh, quite honestly, it is an easy read. Someone just told me it took them two hours to read it, and I wasn't sure whether I should feel good about that or bad about it, because it's like, I feel really good you want to eat it up, but bad, like, all the hours put into it, and you've done it in two hours. But um, you, you, can read, you can read it 
you can read the book and then come back each week as we discuss um, each, each topic, each chapter. You can read ahead and however you want to read it. There's no, there's no um, prescribed way for that. Uh, but we'll be, we'll be tackling uh, a chapter each week. So if you want to know what to read this week, uh, if you do the preface and introductory chapter, you'll kind of be in line with what we're talking about this week. And then finally, um, oh, just remind, Father Mike will be out signing copies of Seriously God out in the cafe after Mass for those of you who are here in person. And then the daily practice. So uh, we send a, a daily email, a daily practice of practicing prayer. It's a quick two-minute prayer. Uh, it'll be on the topics we're talking about. Again, it's a way for you to get more out of it. Uh, if you want to sign up for that, go to our website, churchtv.com. And then uh, if you go to the care and prayer section, you can sign up from there. So these are all the things we're making available to you to help you go deeper into these topics, from the weekend message to the small group conversation to reading on your own to praying on your own. You can sign up for whatever makes, uh, you know, you're comfortable with, but obviously the more you do, the more you're going to get out of the series. So we're really excited for this series. We've invested a lot uh, of energy and effort and resources in the series, and the investment we make is we hope it's going to bear fruit in your life that it's gonna bring you to a greater faith and trust in God, that you're gonna know the heart and mind of God better. When life doesn't make sense, when God doesn't make sense, we can seek God. And if we seek God, we will find him. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us, that you don't want us to be blind, but you want us to see you more and more clearly. So God, we do pray for eyes to see through the course of this series. And whatever issues that are blocks to us knowing you, we pray, God, that we would, again, allow you to reveal yourself to us. And we thank you, God, that you have revealed yourself to us most fully through your son, Jesus. So we pray for the grace to follow him through the course of this series, that we may know your heart, your mind, your will. And we pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.